3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be with my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at one 800 743 cbc or tweet me at Jim Kramer. I want you, right now, to be prepared to be overwhelmed! Next week is the most important week of earnings season, and we're coming in hot! Sizzly! Thanks to the rallies from the bottom this week. Wow, remember Monday? Including today, where the Dow gained 238 points, S&P jumped 1.01%, and then NASDAQ climbed 1.04%. All to record highs! Well, that means there's no room for error. It's very easy to make mistakes during this period. For example, what happens on Monday? Well, Tesla reports. Tesla. I am urging you to wait for the conference call, not just look at the headline numbers, because we've we got to get a sense of how Berlin's doing, uh, the pickup truck, you know, the one that looks like the Aztec that uh, Ford Motor says is going to be crushed with the F-150 electric, and, and how Elon Musk feels about, yes, the Chinese government. Tesla's one of the few big companies with a stock that's well off its highs, so it should have an easier time rallying good news, although people like momentum. It doesn't have any. But come Tuesday, we hear from a bunch of big companies with stocks that are at or near their highs. Why don't we start with Apple. Okay, now let's. Uh, we're going into a big launch. All the new models will support 5G, and there should be an incredible number of upgrades. The wireless. Cap- ah, I always try. But the only time it's worked is when I put tape on it. The wireless carriers are happy to subsidize Apple's $1,000 phones. Yeah, take a look at that ATT quarter. <laughs> that's how you're getting. That's how I made their numbers, I think. Hopefully, Apple will start breaking out the lifetime value of customers this quarter thanks to this increasingly sticky service revenue stream. Remember, you get the phone, you take all these other things, and uh, next thing you know, you get that bill at 3 a.m. and you pay it without even knowing it. All right, then there's Alphabet which should be amazing, given that Twitter and Snap both had incredible numbers last night. Snap was amazing. It was inc- Snap was really unbelievable. Now, I don't know what to be excited about here. Uh, which more? Uh, maybe the booming ad business at Google uh, YouTube doing so well. How about the red-hot Google Cloud division? Watch their cash hoarder. It continues to build. Pull the cash out to get a better valuation. We, that, that's how you have to measure what the price earnings multiple should be. That same afternoon, we hear from Microsoft. All right, let's. Uh, these big tech companies are driving me nuts with their endless rallies. If one more brokerage raises its price target for Mr. Softy ahead of the quarter, I am going to lose it. I'm going to shine my shoes. Trust me, I haven't had them shine lately. Normally, the analysts underestimate Microsoft, allowing the company to easily beat expectations. But this time, the stock may actually head lower. Why? Because it, 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 well. The expectations are finally catching up with them. My Chapel trust owns it. I'm not concerned. I'm not trading it. But just be aware. Now, just like uh, last during season, Intel once again put the kibosh on the entire semiconductor industry when it gave its conference call, painting its company-specific problems as universal to the industry. Somet- uh, sometime today, you got to keep that in mind when Advanced Micro Devices reports, under the brilliant leadership of Lisa Sue. AMD has surpassed Intel in terms of giving its customers what they want. I hope she can announce its closing date for the Xilinx acquisition because the arbitrage pressure is dragging down the stock more than the earnings can lift it. If all of those high-profile quarters weren't enough, well, Wednesday brings the tortured conclusion of the Federal Reserve's meeting once again. Unfortunately, Fed Chief Jay Powell will once have to respond to a Zoom Hollywood Square's worth of reporters who are eager to prod him about inflation and when he'll start tapering bond purchases. This is too important to ignore, but I don't expect any meaningful news. See, Powell's gotten the hang of it. He knows this is not the forum to say anything that could move the needle. He's too smart for that. Wednesday morning, we hear from two recent underperformers, Boeing and Bristol-Myers. I expect them both to be weak again. I can see Boeing giving you a terrible number. What's good? Any good happening there? And then uh, telling you they may even have to raise more money. Yeah, it could be what I call a one-two punch. But those punches might be worth enduring because air travel is already coming back. And once we triumph over these new COVID variants, I expect the airlines to place very big orders. Did your Gary Kelly yesterday from Southwest say they may need more planes? That was a big news item, and no one cared. I don't know. What's news these days? We also get results from McDonald's. Now, to me, this, this one's really starting to feel like an unstoppable quick-serve name, uh, just like Chipotle, just like Domino's, uh, uh, just like Starbucks. I think people are coming back to the stores, so McDonald's will guide up numbers and people will buy the stock. And that's uh, pretty much par for the course in this remarkable and remarkably positive earnings season. I'll take it, especially because, remember, no one really thought this earnings season was going to be any good. And you can count on one hand the ones that have been disappointing. By Wednesday night, the analysts will be completely overwhelmed. So don't try to trade Facebook until you hear CFO David Wenner give the guidance. Yeah, you got to go through Zuckerberg. you got to go through Sheryl Sandberg. And then Wenner t- speaks. Wait for that. I think this is the quarter where we'll hear more about small business than you will hear about monetizing Diem, that's their stablecoin, or making a couple billion off of virtual reality. I don't expect a, a, a coronation, but let's just say it'll be tough for Facebook to have a bad quarter. Online advertising is too strong, and what they're doing for small to medium-sized business is too visible. Then there's Ford. Now, we know all about the semiconductor shortage and how it hurt the automakers by forcing them to curtail production. It certainly hurt Ford to the tune of a couple of bill. This week, we heard from other car companies that numbers have to come down. But what if Ford has found some chips? Yeah, but I think numbers have to go up here, up, not down, because the cars and trucks are simply better than they used to be, and the markets they operate in are more profitable. No, I don't expect this quarter to be good. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that 2022 could be good. Next, cross-border travel make a comeback, can it? I heard a really good conference call today with American Express, so it made me put MasterCard up here. All these COVID variants spreading like wildfire. Maybe you think that it's not right, but wow, that Express quarter was fantastic. I think MasterCard MasterCard is going to tell us a good story, too. Thursday evening is none other than Amazon. Will the stock go into space? Some would argue it's already there. I expect a Spartan conference call that reveals big record numbers in retail and Amazon Web services, but not much explanation. I think the high margin advertising business will be the star of the show. Same reason I like Alphabet. I mean, faith, being faithful to the stock. And of all the conference calls that I have to read, it is the quickest one, which I am so grateful for. Another company that I'm betting will surprise the upside, Twilio. We had them on right last time, They call, uh, uh, probably about a month ago. And the helps businesses gain clients is going to shine this quarter. And Twilio is the best in the house when it comes to making it easier for companies to send messages. Messages to their customers. personalized. by Friday, you and I will be exhausted, but we want to hear what ExxonMobil has to say, and we want to hear what Chevron has to say. Now, I urge you to go into both of them with an open mind. There was a time when I thought the oils were uninvestable because too many younger money managers care about the environment. But you know what? The major oils have gotten religion on this issue. Are they making serious efforts to fight climate change? Look, they're still oil companies, but they're at least making an effort to offset the damage. They've spent a great deal of time and money trying to shrink their very big carbon footprints. It might not save the environment, but it makes it easier for money managers who care about the environment to also own their stocks. This will be the first meeting for Exxon since management lost a proxy contest to a bunch of environmentalists. The ghost of John D. Rockefeller must be furious. Read, read the... Uh The Ron Chernow book. It's unbelievable. But the earth is a happier place. Just when you think you finally made your way out of the morass, Caterpillar reports. The stock's been down. No infrastructure bill, perhaps the slowing in orders. But the stock's decline makes me comfortable buying a little right here, right now could be a big second-half turn. Remember, one way or another, I think we'll reach herd immunity. And when that happens, the economy will roar. Here's the bottom line. This is the toughest week of the quarter when it comes to making informed financial decisions. There aren't enough hours in the day to read all the conference rules, which is really the problem, okay? Uh, it, you know, I have to tell you, you know that I left off half the companies I wanted to put on this board? Half. Uh, so do your best to focus on a few, including FAANG. And remember, right now, because of these reports, It's the earnings that control this market, not the tenure or the Fed or the COVID variants, for that matter. I want to go to Charles in Washington. Charles. Hi, Jim. How are you? The chill is fine. What's going on? Uh, I've been watching you since Kudlow and Kramer. Holy cow. And And I'm a member. And I'm a member. I'm a member of Action Alerts Plus. Thank you. And. And I have a question about Activision Blizzard. Um, They had some negative news on the 21st and 22nd. And I bought that stock back in the days in single digits, and I've never sold any. And it's 27% of my portfolio. And I'm wondering, do you think it's time for me to take some profit? I don't know. Um, I, I know that accusi- I, you know, the accusation. I don't know. I mean, the, a frat boy culture. I don't know. I know Bobby Kotick when he was like a little boy. Here's what I do know. I think Activision Blizzard is a well run company, but all these companies, and it could be take two we're talking about, are viewed as pandemic plays. And you don't get the benefit of the doubt when you own a video game company. You got to wait two quarters and then you can do it. All right. Not yet. You, know, you got 27 percent. I would trim it. Take it down to fifteen. I'll feel a lot better. I'll sleep at night if Charles cuts it to fifteen. Marcy, in my home state of New Jersey, Marcy.
2: Hi, Jim. Marcy. Thank you for taking my call and of thank you for all that you do for us. Ah, uh, you're very kind. Thank you. I'm a long-time fan and a second-time caller. Excellent. And I love the picture of your rescue dog Nvidia.
3: Oh, I miss Nvidia. I got Nvidia, NVIDIA the second, but he's no Nvidia. Nvidia got a lot of NVIDIAs. <laughs> Go ahead. And I,
2: I love the picture of you in your garden wearing a suit.
3: Oh, I like to wear my Brioni when I garden, except for <laughs> on Sundays when I usually wear zinnia. It's important. You have to be stylish. Okay, go I ahead. I get it.
2: My question is about Nupar, the steel company. Sure. It beat, yep. It beat estimates yesterday. Right. And it's a financially solid company, yet the stock continues to go down. So, Jim, is this because the infrastructure bill is stalled in Congress, or are there other factors? And should I sell?
3: Okay, first, um, thank you for all the kind words. This isn't the new Nvidia, by the way. Second, here's what you have to know. Leon Topali was on this morning speaking to Becky and Squawk Box, and she did a great job. And Leon was terrific. But people feel it can't get better. It's as good as it gets. It was the best quarter the company ever had. I have to tell you, that's complete nonsense. I think that if you look at New Course record, we're in year one of a multi-year cycle. Uh, there's no Chinese stomping. There's tariffs. Biden's not going to change that. I want you, as I did with ActionAlertsPlus.com at the club when I explained on the Wednesday call, I want you to buy more. I think it's a great level to pick up some more new core and if it goes to the 80s, buy even more. Why don't we go to Steve in Florida. Steve! Kramer, how are you? Chief, I'm good. Help me. What do you got? Well, I'm thinking about shorting Carvana, and I want to tell you why. All right. I've been in, I've been in the car business for a very long time, and okay. uh, there's a big shortage in the car industry right now, and I'm thinking the... Acquiring
4: of vehicles is going to be very, very difficult
3: and more difficult than it is now with all the automotive financial institutions not allowing the leases to be bought by Carvana anymore, like Lexus, BMW, Honda, Toyota, Volvo, Infiniti, et cetera, et cetera. So I just think with them not allowing Carvana to buy the cars directly from the customers anymore if they're in a lease, you kill a huge pipeline. Okay, well, look, I have to do more. Uh, The 20 percent of the stock is shorted. It hit an all time high again today. We had them on business is quite strong. I want to do more work on what you just said. I cannot flippantly tell you. I don't know. Yeah, look, don't worry about that. That's a very interesting point. So I will come back. All right. Next week. Next week will be the toughest of the quarter when it comes to making informed financial decisions. While there are many stories in the spotlight, the Delta variant, the Fed and the tenure. focus on what controls this market right now, because this is the biggest week for earnings. Earnings. them Money Tonight. Can a case of the Mondays be a good thing? I'm recent public publicmonday.com to see if it could make you some money. Plus, another electronic vehicle company just started trading on the NASDAQ. Feel like you're in the movie Groundhog Day? Well, you're not alone. I'm taking a closer look at Rio Automotive to see how it differentiates itself, and don't get too jaded. Plus, averages ended the week following uh, higher following Monday's drop in response to concerns about the Delta variant. After a volatile week where we finished at record highs, wondering if your portfolio has what it takes to succeed in this market. The favorite feature that people have. We are going to play MI Diversified. So stay with Kramer.
0: Visibility at Indeed.com slash MadMoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash MadMoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash MadMoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Before we get into the busiest part of the earnings season, as I said up top, we need to catch up on our homework. Every time I get a question I can't answer, I always do some research and come back to you with a more considered response. You deserve that. Which brings me to last Monday when Jay in Washington wanted to know about Monday.com. And that's M-N-D-Y for all you home gamers. And I said, well, I don't know this. we got to do some digging here. Monday.com is an Israeli software as a service company, SaaS company. Think of it as a software developer, software developer. Their tools help clients build their own custom applications. This wouldn't stop me because Monday.com came public last month as part of this latest wave of deals that's really inundating me. The, initially, the stock priced at 155 Then it jumped to 170 on the first day of trading, before peaking in the high 250s earlier this month. And this is a remarkable run for a young, unseasoned company. But in recent weeks, you know the market has turned against these high-flying growth stocks. Monday.com has fallen back to earth, sinking just under uh, 205 as of today, even though you know that a lot of the traditional older tech companies are really going higher. While it's still up substantially from its IPO price, it's also down substantially from its highs. That means you may be getting a chance here, another chance to buy this one at a more reasonable level. So should you take it? Is Monday.com worth owning? Honestly, I really like this. Although I'm going to give you some caveats. I wouldn't buy it with retirement money, that's for certain. But if you're looking for something to speculate on, you got my blessing to do this one. Just remember what speculation means. Monday.com is a newly public cloud-based software company with a truly sky-high nosebleed valuation. So its stock is indeed a ridiculous trader. That means you should only buy it with money that you have to be prepared to lose. I mean, look at this. You know, you see, you got to remember, it's 240. Then immediately it goes down there, which is 200. It's really not uh, one of those charts like, say, a Starbucks or Domino's, which looks like that. So you got to, you know, get a little nosebleed here. With that out of the way, though, I think Monday.com's got a lot going for it. Thanks to the pandemic, businesses have been forced to digitize as rapidly as possible. Remember, we got five years worth of digitization in less than 18 months. Increasingly, companies are using technology to automate white-collar work that used to be done by people, especially since COVID has exiled us from central offices and forced us to work remotely. There's no putting that hybrid workplace genie back in the bottle. To make all this stuff work, you need software. And often you just can't go with some off-the-shelf solution. More and more big businesses have adopted bespoke custom software that they develop internally, even when they're not in the tech industry. Isn't that what Rich Allison said yesterday from Domino's? The further the digital transformation goes, the more demand there is for this stuff. But it's not like just anyone can make their own software. This is a highly specialized field that requires a lot of training. Enter Monday.com. They build a no-code platform that makes it easy for customers to create their own software applications or work management tools from a set of modular building blocks that are simple enough for anyone to assemble. The idea here is that their users can set up custom software without ever writing a line of code. So if you find yourself doing something repetitive, say, on the computer every day, you can use their system to, program, uh, uh, to put a program together to automate that process. It's, it, it, it's easy. It's like building a little house out of Legos rather than building a house of scratch. Monday.com also uses its own platform to make tools for marketing, customer relations management, project management, and software development. On top of that, they've got a more sophisticated low-code version of the platform for professional developers. Best of all, it's interoperable. You can use their platform with just about any other type of software, Microsoft uh, Office, Salesforce.com, Slack, which is now Salesforce, Zendesk, Dropbox, and Google's enterprise software, among many others. So, Apple, some numbers here. Mondays.com is growing like a weed. At the end of 2019, they had 76 enterprise customers, meaning customers that generated over 50 grand per year in recurring revenue. By the end of last year, they had 264 enterprise customers. Three months later, the most recent period we have data for, they had jumped to 335. That's 27% growth just versus the linked or previous quarter. And that translates into rapid sales growth. Monday.com's revenue more than doubled last year. Now, get this. It grew at an 85% clip. 85% in the first quarter of this year. That's very, very high, even for a cloud-based software play. You can look some of, they call these logos. Look at these logos. I always wanted to use that word, logo. However, as you might expect from a turbocharged growth company, oh, boy, Monday.com profit, no very unprofitable. Their operating margin came in at negative 64% in the first quarter, and that was a major improvement for negative 93 last year. When you exclude stock-based compensation, the numbers a little better, although they still have a negative 39% operating margin in the latest quarter unacceptable to me except for if you're a young company. All right now let me give you a potential red flag that I am really concerned about here. monday.com sales and marketing expenses have repeatedly exceeded its revenue. In other words, they're paying a lot of money to generate growth at this stage. Personally, I think it is right move for software-as-a-service play because they're trying to lock these customers into long-term subscriptions, but I wish they could do it more efficiently, and so will you if we buy the stock. On One more point. When Monday.com came public last month, they also did a private placement selling $75 million for the stock to both Salesforce and Zoom Video at the IPO price. Now, I'd love to see this kind of thing. It's the best possible endorsement from two of the most successful enterprise software companies out there. Salesforce, in particular, has a terrific track record Picking winners. Remember, they did buy a chunk of Zoom alongside its IPO in April of 2019. However, while Salesforce does well for itself in these transactions, you don't always make money by trying to piggyback on them. I'll give you a classic example of something that I didn't screw up, but I, it has not made you money. When uh, they, Salesforce was a large investor in a company called Encino, N big C I N O. It's a cloud-based banking software play, although that, w- that was before it came public. The, one of the reasons I recommended Encino you know, roughly a year ago is, uh, is because of that backing. But the stock's been dead money since then. Salesforce also bought a big chunk of Snowflake alongside the IPO. Snowflake came public at 120 but then instantly jumped to 245 And that was a brilliant move for Salesforce, but not one you could replicate at home. Similarly, Monday.com came public at $155. That's the price Salesforce paid, paid for. it. And now it's at $205. A, a, a different story. Speaking of price, what's this thing really worth? Right now, Monday.com is trading at nearly 24 times next year's sales. Ugh, makes it a little cheaper than, than, than work management software plays like Asana or Atlassian, Simple Team, but much more expensive than something like Workday or Smartsheet. The thing is, Monday's growing much faster than all these companies. So with, within the cloud space, it does deserve a premium multiple. Again, all of the cloud stocks are expensive, and Monday's already on the high end. But given where its peers are trading, the valuation seems justifiable to me. How about this, though, for a worry? This is what I call a sliver IPO. Companies company's got 44 million shares. Uh, outstanding. They only sold 4 million to the public. That means the stock is likely to get, I- I- I'd say, get hammered once the lockup on insider selling expires in early December. That's your pain point. Bottom line, at the end of the day, Monday.com is hostage to the Wall Street Fashion Show. If you think the hyper-growth stocks will come back in style, then it can go higher. I like this story. I like the numbers. So you got my blessing to put on a small speculative position here. Just leave room to buy more on the way down because there's a good chance that we'll see lower levels near the end of the year because of the lockup expiration or because of the rolling correction hot and cold market that is typified 2021. Let's go to Dale in New York. Dale. Huzzah, Jimmy Chill. How you Yo, doing? Man, I've been chilling. What's going on? <laughs> Just wanna get your thoughts on this stock. Paysafe ticker P S F E. It's been down about twenty five percent since the stock merger. I know. I
0: thought, you <laughs> know. Is
3: it a, it's still a is it still a buy but or is You it know, I, I you know, I know I'm gonna say this is gonna sound a little silly, but I really like paysafe higher. I wonder whether I I blew Paysafe. I thought it was good, so I've been I, I but at these levels, boy you're coming in much less than I did, Dale. Alright, I, I didn't buy it, but I just said I liked it at higher levels. You gotta own when you're wrong, right? You gotta own that. I like Mondays.com story, but remember the hypergrowth stocks right now are out of style. People want the fags, okay? But you do have my bus, you put on a small position, add more if it heads lower, because I think it's a really smart company. Look at this, Adobe, Embiis, these are all really good companies. Much more mad money the electronic vehicle market is certainly crowded. But could a company working with the likes of Magna, which I really like, Toyota, and American Axle be worth considering? I'm gonna sit down with the CEO of REE Automotive, re, after shares began trading on the Nasdaq. Then Chipotle, Domino's, and Starbucks are some of the only food and drink purveyors to come through this pandemic much stronger than they went into it. And I'm gonna to explain to you why. Of course, it all calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. The volatile, but ultimately positive action on the tape from this past week has shown us anything. It's the importance of diversification. When the reopening stocks got slammed, it was important to be in some non-cyclical names. And as the earnings sent the market climbing back up, it sure was good to be in the names. Hey, that's what we're trying to do. You see, we're trying to keep you from having all eggs in one basket, all tech. It worked today. It could get killed Monday and that's why we play Mi Diversified on Mad Money? This is where you tell me your top five holdings, they tell you if the portfolio is diversified enough. Hey, maybe you need to mix it up a little. First up is a hashtag mad tweet from Chris on Twitter. Alphabet, Microsoft, Cisco, Republic Services, Danaher, hashtag Mi Diversified. Love your takes in the morning as the market is opening on on Mad Money. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Wow, that was very, very kind. All right, let's look at this. this. By the way, I do get some trolls on my mentions column, but not many. All right, so here we go. Ready? Okay, so Alphabet, we are calling that a, uh, it's, we have to call it a search internet company. Microsoft, technology company, plain and simple. Uh, Republic Services, well, we got waste, we'll like that. Waste Management Reports next week. Dan and her, a medical device these days is really what they are. Cisco, another tech company. Too much tech, sorry, just too much tech. Now, this is very hard. My Chapel Trust owns all three. But why don't we do this? We've got, a, we've got, we need a pure healthcare company in here. Now, I hate, hate to say this because I, 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 I'm in this Smithsonian Myers, but I think it's time to be an ABV. Yes, Abvi, because they've got a good yield. And that change, instead of, I, like I said Microsoft's too high. OK, instead of Microsoft, that would be the right thing to do. And that's only for diversification purposes. Too much tech. Another next up. All right. Is David on Twitter. Booyah, Jim. David writes Boeing, Disney, Coke, Bank of America, Kraft Heinz. Thanks for your tireless work in education. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, here's this is diversification meets quality. All right. Because get this. We got Boeing. I told you it's going to be a bad quarter, but then we see what happens. We got Disney. I wish it would come back under 170. May I might have to rethink my view with that. Bank of America, excellent bank, obviously. Coca-Cola, really good company. James Quincy did a good job on that conference call. Then Kraft Heinz. I just don't like Kraft Heinz, and you have two food stocks anyway. So we're going to get rid of those, and we're going to add well, – let's, let's add um, – let me think. How about advanced micro? It's been down a lot lately, and it won't conflict with any of these. Then we'd have an aerospace company, an entertainment company, a bank, a great food company, and then that would make me feel much better with AMD ahead of the Xiling steel closing. Now, oh boy, this is fun. We're going to go to videos. Why don't we go to Luis in North Carolina? Luis. Hi, Jim. This is Luis calling you from my home office in North Carolina. I want to know if I am diversified. I'm gonna give you some hard but interesting stocks. Okay. Inmode, oh, INMD. Mercado Libre, M E L I. Microsoft, everybody knows that one. Grow Generation, G R W G. And an old timer favorite of mine, International Paper, IP. <laughs> Jim, I wanna know am I diversified? This is terrific. That, Luis, is fantastic. My dad used to sell craft paper for, uh, for IP. Uh, IP is not doing what I'd like to do, and, uh, but it's a paper stock, so it's different. Remember, there's diversification here. We're not talking about quality right now, uh, although that's craft Heinz. Uh, so we got a tech company. We got a paper company. Uh, But Carter Libras, that's a Latin American uh, eBay, and I was an original investor in that. I really like it. In-mode medical device, grow generation, we know that's where you get the somewhat expensive equipment to be able to grow uh, cannabis at your house. I used to call it pot. So let's call it, um, uh, what do we want to call this? How about an enabler of re... uh, Call it a cannabis stock, for heaven's sake, Jim. Uh, Paper stock, uh, tech stock, uh, med tech stock, and a, uh, a retailer of sorts, uh, internet retailer. How about that? I, I do like that portfolio. I like Luis's. I like the way he's playing it because this in is very hot. And I was going to suggest Medtronic. I like his. I feel like going to Kentucky because I feel very lucky. Craig in Kentucky. Craig.
1: Hi, June. This is Craig from Sicilia, Kentucky. My top five stocks are Microsoft, Apple,
3: Chevron, Skyworks Solutions and Morgan Stanley. Am I diversified? Wow. Wow. This, this is so, I know it's probably not as exciting for you, but for me, this is just downright exciting. Why? Because Morgan Stanley reported an unbelievably great quarter. Actually, name. this was the quarter of the group, okay? Chevron yields more than 5%. Mike Worth doing a terrific job trying to become more, uh, lower carbon footprint. Microsoft, well, we already, you know, we got to have Microsoft and Skyworks. Skyworks reports next week. I think it reports Thursday. I want to, even though I own Microsoft for my charitable trust, I want to do Skyworks here because I think it's going to be a blow, blowout quarter. Liam Griffin's going to be doing it. So we'll have Semi. We'll have finance. I'm, I you can't Apple. What am I going to say? It, own it. Don't trade it. How about that? Uh, but sell some Microsoft. And we're going to put in a healthcare company here. Uh, and I'm going to just for diversification purposes, I'm going to say Centene, which reports this week, the managed care company. Wow. Great players. I love these videos, by the way. And stick with Kramer. Coming
1: up, did an Israeli automotive startup literally just reinvent the wheel? Kramer gets the skinny from a company that may have already put electric vehicles in the fast lane for good, next.
3: We've all come to realize the market's got no patience for SPACs, not after all the garbage deals we saw earlier this year. But it's willing to respect post-SPAC stories, ones where the SPAC in question has completed its merger, as long as the fundamentals are good. And that's why we've been sifting through the post-SPAC names looking for intriguing stories. Which brings me to REE Automotive, Real Automotive. That's an Israeli company trying to get a piece of the electric vehicle space, although not by making actual electric vehicles. This is what's so interesting about this one. They're making what's called the market's flattest electric vehicle platform. They're basically making a skateboard, a chassis with wheels and braking and steering and power change, suspension and control, all with a very low center of gravity. Great website, by the way, if you want to learn about that. They even stick the motors between the wheels to create more space for cargo or passengers. The idea here is that they sell these skateboard-like platforms to automakers that build trucks or vans on top of them. Re already has strategic, part- strategic partnerships with major players. I'm talking like Toyota. Toyota's trucking room with Magnum. which just made that great acquisition today. With American Axle. Earlier today, the company completed its merger with SPAC, a SPAC. It was called 10X Capital Venture Acquisition. And now the stock trades under REE Automotive, a symbol REE. In response, the stock tumbled 8% from its intraday high. Uh, but don't worry about that because it just happens to be the way that stocks go from SPAC to non SPAC. So let's check in with Daniel Burrell. He is the co founder and CEO of Re Automotive. Get a better sense of his company's prospects. Mr. Burrell, welcome to Man Bunny.
4: Thank you. Thank you for having me
3: okay so Danielle, yours is we've had a lot of evs we had batteries on we have charging stations we have not had a kind of soup to nuts platform that people can build on this is exciting to me and obviously exciting to a lot of major automakers so tell us about it
4: well what we basically do is that we're building the basis the platform of the future of automotive think about us like um, intel in automotive meaning you know, if you look at Dell, and or HP, they all have Intel inside, right? They have, they have their own differentiator, but they all run on Intel inside. The same is, is what we're, we're doing these days, meaning we're building a very, very modular, very, very unique platform that can take any shape, any size, any weight, can use any kind of battery technology or fuel cells, and can be driven autonomously or manually by, by people, but it's the basis of every vehicle that's going to be out there, we hope. I mean, think about it. You can build any kind of vehicle with any shape, any kind, at a fraction of the cost with, you know, almost no time at all. Where usually for OEMs, it would take, what, eight, ten years to build a platform and a few billions of dollars. With our technology, we're doing it far faster and far better than, than the rest. Okay, and that well, let's talk us-
3: about far better. Is it better gas miles? Is it better for the environment? What makes it better?
4: So uh, let's talk about a couple of examples, right? You mentioned the low center of gravity. So it's completely flat end to end. We're not putting anything in between those those wheels, right? Those what we call the corners. So you have more space. You have so much more space because it's so low. You can build vehicles that are actually taller. So if you think about a UPS truck or a FedEx truck, we can put more than 36% more volume on a single truck, meaning they can now deliver 36% more packages, increasing the top line without Increasing the cost, it's literally the same capex and the same opex, and, and that, that, that's major, so that's, that's, that's one. Second, I mean, c- companies so today are global, and you want to be, have one vehicle, but in a global uh, places, right, different countries. But you can't take, a, a, let's say, I don't know, a big American truck and then drive it in the streets of London or, or Paris. It simply can't turn, or, or even in, in Tokyo or Mumbai. Now, you can't change those sizes of a vehicle. You have to have different sizes of vehicle, different kinds of vehicle, different brands. What we do is basically being able to completely change the dimension of the vehicle by keeping it the same vehicle, by what we call the corners. Those corners pack everything inside of an area between the chassis and the wheel. Let
3: me just start for a second. I mean, why isn't... Ford done this, or GM? You know, this is not. I mean, they've been in business for years. They yeah. have models all over the world. Why haven't any? Why haven't they standardized it? I don't get it. Why hasn't this happened before?
4: Well, I, I, I mean, what I think that the difference is is one: we're not an automotive company; we're a tech company. Right. We bring in new technology that we brought back from, you know. Defense, Israeli army, etc. That is that is a little bit different than what people are used to do traditionally in automotive, where what we are doing is all by wire, meaning it's the same way that a, a plane, a jet is flying for the past 15 years, right? By wire. And we've taken that by wire technology and brought it all the way into automotive. And nobody else has that technology today. I, I think we're about, what, 15 years ahead of the curve. And, and that capability simply does not exist with any other OEM or any other player out there. But this sounds now, like
3: when uh, like when Intel invented the microprocessor and then gave it to Dell and HP and said, "Listen, go, don't knock yourselves out, go make computers with it." It seems exactly. like that kind of model.
4: Exactly, that's exactly the model. We complete. We do not compete. Everybody can come in, use that technology, and build whatever they want—better vehicles, more economical far safer, by the way, and, and it's a very bigger diversity. Well, I mean, would, one would of our I go to greatest-
3: Magna and say I want to be on this platform? Can you help me make my car? I'll, I'll give you, the, I'll give you the, the sketch, I'll give you the makeup, and you'll make the car on that platform?
4: Yes, absolutely. We signed an agreement, a super exciting agreement with Magna, where we're providing the, uh, the platform, and they're building the top hat. And then you can come in today and ask for basically any size of vehicle, type, or shape you want. And we'll be able to uh, to power it. It will be powered by RE, and and built by Magna.
3: Well, okay. so right now you're a $3 billion company. Do you have all the money you need? Because I think that I like this concept very much, sir. I really do. This makes so much sense. So you'll be able to. Are you ready? I mean, you have it now. If you get with Magna and suddenly Ford calls you and says, we want to do this. Can you do it?
4: Yes, we can. And I I mean, we just announced a collaboration with Toyota, right? With Hino, Toyota Motors. Right. We 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 presented together with Hino back in 2019, a concept that takes one platform for their entire variety of 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 models, different, you know, people movers, cargo, uh, logistics, you name it. And a couple of months ago, we signed a very very strategic alliance to take this to production. So right. we are literally doing that. We, just, I think, a few weeks ago, we announced also a collaboration with the Poindexter Group, which is about, what, two-thirds of the U.S. market when it comes to walk-in vans and, and, and commercial well, vehicles.
3: Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, I find your not, you know, now de situation an incredibly intriguing one. I want you to come back, and I want you to bring it with you when this COVID thing ends. We'll go outside, and you'll show exactly how it works. Okay, Daniel?
4: Thank Absolutely. you so much Can't for coming wait. on. Thank you for having me.
3: Really a pleasure, pleasure, just Thank a pleasure. You. Daniel is the co-founder, CEO of RE Automotive. And guys, now this was just de okay? So under the symbol R-E-E, you'll see it's 10, but it's a $3 billion company. And please, the website is brilliant and really easy. You can navigate it in a heartbeat. Man, money's back after the break. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What
1: do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder. And answering your burning questions in today's edition of the Lightning Round.
3: It is time to start the lightning round. What's it what's Hi, it's about time of course one. Let's Are you ready? Just keep dead on lightning round. Let's start with Neil in New York. Neil. Hello,
1: this is Neil.
3: Neil, what's
1: up? I'd like to i like your opinion on the, the stock Zim.
3: Zim. Integrated shipping services. Okay, I don't like the shipping stocks here. I think they're they're overdone. People got excited about them and it's no longer the moment to own a shipping stock. Why not buy Union Pacific? Which had a great quarter. I need to go to Donnie in Florida. Donnie! Ba 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 Jimmy Kramer. I uh, ooh Jimmy, that's my mom. it's my mom on the phone. What's going on? That's right. Hey, your knowledge and the way you show up every single day is inspiring. Gotta show so up. going to look- play. What's I- up? I-, I love it. I'm looking for your advice on a commercial EV company that you are very bullish on. You had the CEO on the show. Since then, the stock has lost over half its value. You did recommend buying more at 18, but overall, you've been quiet on them. My cost average is 23. As a long-term play, do you still love the Lion Electric Company? Yeah, I mean, look at niche all electric. Well, look. I think you have to have a, I was going to say a, a, a basket. Now it looks like a dog pen. Uh, I like these EVs. Some of them are really going to work out. But lately I've been thinking maybe Magnus is the way to play it because they all, a lot of them seem to contract. But I do like that stock. I've been what I call wrong. Keith in Florida. Keith. Jim, booyah. How's it going? You know, Keith, is going pretty well. How about you?
2: That's good. Uh, a little rainy today uh, on my way up to Orlando, actually.
3: All right. I'm going to play Rummy Cube tonight with my buds.
2: So, uh, today I was uh, calling about the Workhorse Group stock.
3: No, no. Come on, man. No. Workhorse is a show horse. We want real horses. I not Churchill Downs. But that's a good stock, too. That is a company that I am not, that I'm not like. I've stayed away. Uh, it is, I've got enough light-duty truck pickup, these the, things That here. by Ford. And that ladies and gentlemen, inclusion of the Lightning Round! The
1: Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, these Kramer faves can fatten your wallet and your waistline. Are coffee, dough, and queso the secret ingredients your portfolio needs to sizzle? Find out next.
3: happening in the quick-serve restaurant business is almost unfair. Three companies, just three companies, Starbucks, Chipotle, and Domino's, have come through this pandemic stronger than before. That's why their stocks keep rallying relentlessly, although Domino's pulled back a bit after exploding higher today. Yesterday, and that was because it caught a downgrade. We hear a lot of Wall Street gibberish all the time when we listen to stories about how companies are doing. They want to tell you all about their terrific go-to market plans and their huge total addressable markets, or TAMs. But there's one term that rings true to everybody, at scale. When it comes to the quick service industry, at scale is everything. Yesterday we spoke to Rich Allison, the CEO of Domino's, a company that's given you a ridiculous 8,000% return over the last 17 years versus a paltry 500% gain from the S&P. This latest quarter was a tour de force of scale, because Domino's is huge, and it had always been focused on delivery or takeout, it was perfectly set up for the pandemic. But we didn't expect them to keep all those customers after the pandemic end, well, wound down and then add some more once the world started going back to normal and people could go out to eat again. Their domestic same-store sales were expected to shrink this PISC order and said they were up more than 3%. How is that possible? Even though restaurants can reopen, many of them didn't make it. Meanwhile, Domino's has honed its quick delivery business to perfection, pioneering touchless drop off with a website that's second to none. When you've got scale, you can develop all this incredible technology in house and use it to make a fortune. Then there's the unstoppable stock of Starbucks. Here is about 125. I mean, this thing is just incredible. I feel bad that we sold this one for the charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. I had a big talk about this just yesterday because we had already caught a double and I felt like we were being greedy. I felt we were being like bulls make money, bears make money, but hogs get slaughtered. I thought that's what we were. However, we were wrong to ring the register. Over the course of the pandemic, these guys figured out how to fix their throughput problem, getting people in and out as fast as possible with a best-in-class app and a terrific loyalty program. Starbucks has been killing it on the delivery front, too. They've invented so many new drinks that you're basically getting boutique at scale. Imagine? In order to deal with the lines, uh, long lines, they stop, they sopped up all the empty storefronts and put in standalones that to get you in and out incredibly fast without a place to hang out. Some, something you, you couldn't use during the pandemic and don't necessarily need now. A lot of people were dismayed when Howard Schultz, a brilliant founder, stepped down and picked not a coffee guy, but a technology guy who happened to like coffee. Kevin Johnson from Juniper Networks as his replacement. In retrospect, that was a very, very smart call. What you needed was technology to handle all the business. Finally, Chipotle. What can I say about Chipotle A stock? That we said two weeks ago will go from fifteen hundred to two thousand rapidly, and it hit eighteen thirty today. They took their firepower and their uh, and their massive cash stockpile, something you get at scale, and used it to negotiate better terms with their landlords. In particular, they went to the malls and asked for space to build drive thrus or Chipotle lanes that allowed them to thrive in spite of COVID. Before the before the pandemic, they're making about two point five million per store every year. Uh, And it's going to, I think, move up to three million. The real good ones are there. Like Domino's and Starbucks, this is all about Chipotle's technology. Your local coffee shop or burrito place simply doesn't have the heft to negotiate favorable terms with the online delivery services. They certainly can't develop their own technology to boost throughput, especially not the kind that that, that, that they have at Chipotle. Look, I know these stocks have run. Domino's caught this downgrade from J.P. Morgan today, and I'll the stock's gotten ahead of itself. I say that's what I thought about Starbucks when it hit 113. It's now just under 126. I was wrong about Starbucks then, and J.P. Morgan's probably going to be wrong about Domino's. Now, in this environment, you can't afford to underestimate the power of scale because scale always wins. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you i to find it just for you right here on Mad Money.